0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The text for this morning's sermon is the gospel appointed for this 26th Sunday after the Feast of Holy Trinity. The gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations... Will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord came into this world the first time in great humility. The next time He will come In glory. The first time the angels announced. His arrival. To a handful of shepherds. The next time. Those angels. Will make the nations of the earth. To stand before him. The first time he came as an infant. Unassuming starting out in the arms of the Blessed Virgin and ending up nailed to a cross. The next time, he will be seated on a throne. The first time, he came as a Savior. The next time, he will come as a Judge. In our text this morning, we hear nothing about different levels in his judgment. In our world, if you speed, so I'm told, you get a ticket. If you steal a candy bar, you get fined. If you hold up a bank, you get 15 years. And if you kill a couple of people you get lethal injection. In other words, the worse the crime, the worse the punishment. But on judgment day, Jesus will separate people into two groups. Like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. All of those in the sheep category will be given an inheritance in the heavenly kingdom All of those in the goat category will depart into eternal fire. So here's the obvious question. Where will we be? Where will I be? How will Jesus decide who gets eternal reward and who gets eternal punishment? And as we look at the text at first glance. The answer would appear to be, "Well, by the works they did. Clearly, that's what Jesus talks about on Judgment Day, and there is a lot to be said at this point. Jesus obviously expects us to be involved in doing good. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Shelter the stranger. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick and the imprisoned. So here's the first question. How have you been doing? We have probably done some of the things that we are entrusted with doing, and we failed to do others. Some have done more. Some have done less. But doubtless, we don't need to look at our lives any too hard to figure out that we could have done more. Do you visit shut-ins? Do you encourage those who grieve? Do you console the suffering? You see, the Lord not only expects us not to do bad things, He expects us to do good things. In fact, that's all the works that get talked about. The good things that were either done or not done. And He counts it as sin if we fail to do the good that we should have done. Which brings us to the next point. If Jesus Himself were asking you for a coat or a special offering, if Jesus Himself offered you, asked of you, a drink of water or asked if he could spend the night in a vacant room of your house if Jesus asked what would you say to him of course you'd do it who wouldn't want the honor of having Jesus come and stay at our house. We might have to hastily straighten up a bit. Get some things out of sight we might be embarrassed by. Put the Bible out on the coffee table. But we do it. We do it because having Jesus come to our home would be such a wonderful honor. But now listen to what he says. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Give some old clothes to the Samaritan house. If it ends up on the back of some poor person, Jesus counts it as though he was wearing it himself. Give food to someone who has precious little, and Jesus will remember it as though you had fed him. What great honor! And if we would do such things for Jesus himself, we who believe, What Jesus says this morning ought to be just as anxious to do them for other needy people. And I must stress, when it comes to the needy people, Jesus doesn't say anything about asking their biography. Did they deserve to be in prison? Are they sick because they weren't wearing a mask? Are they poor because they didn't plan finances well? <clears throat> Made some foolish financial decision? None of that matters. Where there is need, meet it. Where someone is hungry, it doesn't matter whether they're hungry by their own fault or by circumstances beyond their control. Hunger is hunger. Next point. How do the faithful respond to Jesus on this judgment day when he commends them for what they have done? Some of you visit sick people, other gather relief supplies for the needy. But if we do these things out of selfish pride, or because of the recognition we get, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. When the Lord praises the works of the blessed ones, what do they say? Lord, when did we do those things? They don't even remember. That is the way of pure faith doing good should come so naturally to us that we don't come home from having visited someone at prison all proud of ourselves because of the good work we did. We hardly even pay any attention to it ourselves. It's just natural. It's just a normal part of being who we are as the redeemed of the Lord, the blessed ones of the Father. So I resubmit the question. How have you been doing? Do you help the needy? Or don't you? Do you treat them like you would treat Jesus? Or are you tempted to look down your nose at them? And when you do do some sort of good work, do you do it in a quiet, humble, self effacing manner? Or are you proud of yourself and looking to get some recognition? For your outward righteousness, what the scriptures call the praises of men. By the time you're done answering these questions, maybe you'll really be confused by our text this morning. If it's any comfort, it confused me for a long time too. It talks about two groups of people. One group that did everything right. And another group that never did anything right. And as we look at our lives. I want to say. Wait a minute. Shouldn't there be a third category? What about those of us who have done some good and not done some other good? What about those of us who have done things partly out of a holy desire to give thanks to God for the salvation we have in Christ Jesus, but also partly for selfish reasons? Where am I in all this? Shouldn't there be a third group? Well, Because I have a keen sense of the obvious, I will point out to you, there is no third group. And the only explanation for this is found in the saving grace of God. There is one group that never did anything right. They are the unbelievers. As it is written, without faith, it is impossible to... To please God. That sounds odd to us because we tend to think in terms of civic righteousness. You mean that if a Christian visits someone who is sick, this may be pleasing to God. But if a non-Christian does exactly the same thing, it is not pleasing to God. Yep. That's exactly right. Here's why. Selfishness is sin. It is the idolatry of self. And selfishness is the only possible motivation for an unbeliever to engage in works that appear good in the eyes of men. It may be that he has a selfish desire to get rewards to avoid punishment. It may be that he has a selfish desire to receive the praises of men and the recognition of other people. May even be nothing more than a very private selfish desire to go home at the end of the day and look at himself in the mirror and say, I am a good man. But whatever the reason is, the motive cannot be a pure, selfless desire to say thank you to God for the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus because by definition, unbelievers don't believe in Christ Jesus. As far as God is concerned, The only truly good works are those in which no selfishness, no self-interest is involved, where nothing but a pure desire exists to say thank you to Him for the love and the salvation He has given us in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is also written, Whatever does not come from faith is sin. So on judgment day, the unbelievers do not get credit for a single good work. Notice their condemnation is not what God wanted for them. The eternal fire to which they are condemned was prepared, our text says, not for them, but rather for the devil and his angels. Nevertheless, the unbelievers, the impenitent ones, they too go into the eternal fire, the price of their faithless opposition to God. So back to the believers. Jesus calls them the ones blessed by my father. While the unbelievers end up in a place God sincerely did not want them to go. The believers have no room to claim that they earned salvation because of their works or their Intelligence or their good decision making or their self control or whatever. They are saved only because God the Father blessed them with the gift of faith. Once God brings us to faith, He has His use of us good Lutherans we all know Ephesians 2 8 and 9 it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast but verse 10 says for we are his workmanship prepared for the doing of the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do Once God brings us to faith, He has His use of us. We rejoice that God is able to use us to do some good. We rejoice that when He is done using us, He even gives us credit for the good He really worked in us. We being simply His tools, But maybe we're still confused. Maybe we aren't as perfect as these people Jesus is talking about on Judgment Day. Sure, we do some good. At least hope so. But there's plenty of other stuff too. Stuff we're ashamed of. Stuff God calls sin. Stuff we don't want to talk about. I've got some really good news for you. God doesn't want to talk about it either. So on Judgment Day, He doesn't... He's God, He can do that. All our sins were answered for when Jesus died on Calvary's holy mountain for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far have our transgressions been removed from us. On judgment day, our every sin, our every failure, our every shortcoming will be drowned in forgiving silence. Only our good works will be remembered and they will be declared openly as the evidence of the saving faith we had in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's then. This is now. What do we do until then? In answering this question, the church has often referred to the Ten Commandments as, well, we should, until Christ comes, we should certainly seek to avoid doing those things that violate His holy law and instead to be doing those things that uphold His law. But if we were to refer to To the words of our text and line those up with our catechisms, we'd probably need to go to the table of duties. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty. Especially those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, feed them with the word of the Lord. Clothe the naked. Especially those who have not yet put on Christ, bring them to receive holy baptism. Our children, we teach not to talk to strangers, but for you adults, maybe unlearn that. Attend to the needs even of strangers. And pray that when you have spent some time with them, they will no longer be strangers to you or to the Lord. Tend to those in prison, even if they are receiving the just punishment for their crimes. Speak the merciful words of our sin-forgiving Savior to them. You truly, there. Have a captive audience, many of whom feel the weight of their transgressions on their shoulders very heavily. It doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to organize a new charity that feeds thousands. It can be really simple. Neighbor kid skins his knee, put a band-aid on it. Get a cup of coffee for your secretary, even though you know you could have your secretary get you one. Help clean up a mess or do a task around the house even if you didn't make the mess, even if it's not exactly your job, the Lord is not demanding the dramatic. Rather, He starts at the beginning and says to each of us, child, your sins are forgiven you. then he entrusts us as his helpers, even if we're not even all that much help, even if some of those works have mixed motivations, the selfish motivation is forgiven, drowned in silence. Only the righteous motivation is remembered. He loves us and further honors us to be his helpers in this world. He entrusts us with showing him our love by doing good works. Because we are now both saints and sinners at the same time, as I said, we will probably do good works Partly as a thank you to God for the salvation we have in Christ Jesus and also partly aware that there may be positive results for us. Partly selfish reasons. Not to worry on the day of judgment. God will forgive our evil motives. He won't speak of them. Only our good motives, which were given to us by the Holy Spirit, will be remembered as we are invited by Jesus Christ himself to receive the inheritance prepared since the creation of the world for the blessed ones of God the Father. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.